When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special interview episode. I was very honored to sit down with writer and director Sean McEwen and actor Sam Strike to talk about their new film, American Outlaws, which does tell the true story of the siblings, the Darktree Gang. And the story goes, facing the possibility of prison and in search of an idealized freedom, three siblings take matters into their own hands with a cross-country crime spree of epic proportions. It's also a story about family, finding your place in the world, and what lengths you will go to protect your family and to keep that, and for your family as well. And the film stars India Isley as Lee Grace Dockerty, Emery Cohen as Dylan Dockerty, Sam Strike as Ryan Dockerty, Treat Williams as Agent Jameson R. Donovan, Tess Harper as Loretta Hillhouse, Corey Hardick as Agent Morley, and a bunch of other great, fantastic people. And like I said, I was very honored to talk to the writer-director, Sean McEwen, and to Sam Strike, who once again plays Ryan Dockerty. And just to let you know, um, Sean McEwen comes in at about the 4.30 mark in the interview. So that's when you will hear him come in, and the interview starts with Sam Strike. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and please keep a lookout for American Outlaws. Thank you so much. I am really excited to be able to talk to you about this film and about your role. And my first question would be just what drew you to this part? Did you know anything about the Doherty gang beforehand or? No, I wasn't aware of uh, the story at all before I got sent the script. Um, I got sent the script and I'm a big fan of kind of the neo-western genre which i feel like this fits into and then i saw that emery and india were both attached who i'm like a great fan of both you know and i didn't think it was going to work out because i didn't have a a visa at the time i thought they're not going to be able to get one quick enough but it 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 did end up working out and um you know it's cliche but it was so evidently character driven uh and the bond between these siblings was so strong that, uh, you know, the story has all of the detail, you know, robbing the bank and going on a cross-country crime spree, and that's all, like, the juicy bits. But, but uh, you know, at the heart of it, there was this really, really uh, kind of heartbreaking story 
but heartwarming too about these three siblings that would do anything for each other and I really liked that. Yeah. And speaking of that sibling relationship, I know you're doing an independent movie here, so you don't necessarily have as much time to do rehearsals or anything like that. But as far as building that bond, did the three of you do anything to like on your own, like in between or anything like that to kind of build that bond up? One of my like favorite aspects of the entire shoot was the sort of social element where we were really lucky that me, Emery and India, we all got on really, really well. And we had like a few days to get to know each other before we started filming. But then at the end of a filming day, we'd all hang out and talk about how it all went. And we just innately sort of through luck and chemistry built like a real great bond between the three of us. And because some of the the stuff, some of the scenes were hard to tackle, but I, I feel like there was a respect that was built between us and the uh, a trust that was built that made that stuff less scary than it than it, it can be sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of a lot of the days on set, apart from you know Sean and the crew and everybody, it was just the three of us. So we were like in each other's faces all day, every day for the entirety of the shoot. So we did get to know each other pretty good, and I, I think it translates on on screen. Yeah, it does seem like you are, which is a good thing, like you're coming in at the middle of a story, at the middle of someone, these three people's lives. And so that's very evident. And I think sometimes that doesn't happen very much. You know, sometimes you'll watch something and it kind of feels disjointed, if that makes sense, or it doesn't feel like everybody's kind of connecting and gelling. But it definitely seemed like that um, in this, for sure. Like I thought for sure, you know, like you could believe you were siblings. Yeah, that there was a. I got to see the film not long ago, and there's a shot of the three of us in the in the car, and India's in the back seat, and she's leaning over me and Emery, and I paused it, and I was like, I believe they're a family, not just looks, but like there was just a, an energy in the image where I it, I got very nostalgic. So we made this film a little while ago, you know, we shot this a while ago. I was like, oh man, we were really, they were like my brother and sister, you know. Yeah, yeah. Little things that you would do, like little things that, I I mean, I'm sure a lot of it was scripted, but even just little moments that you would expect brothers and sisters to do, like little teasing and little in-jokes and stuff like that. And nicknames, like um, like uh, she calls you uh, Peanut and stuff mm-hmm. in it. So those little things as well. But yeah. 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 And, and credit to, to Sean's writing, you know, like it, that informed a lot of how close we were. And like you say, the little light jabs we would take at each other you know in jest yeah and so I was just talking to Sam a little bit about the the bond and the chemistry um with the sibling relationship here yeah uh in in the film and how well all the actors worked together and gelled and you know how believable that was so yeah yeah I know absolutely I think um we got really fortunate with this particular cast I mean so much of it is about chemistry and the way that they came together and I think really bonded. And, uh, you know, like every film, there is uh, a journey in making it. And there's a lot of challenges in making it. So uh, I think that really helped to bring everybody together and really like kind of make that all in sync. Yeah. yeah. And I'm curious, Sean, what was it about this story of the Doherty gang that really appealed to you? What was it that interested you? Well, actually, when I found out, although they were they were living at the time when the incident kind of took off, uh, they were in Florida, but they were all from the same region of the country that I'm from, from the Ozarks. 
And I think the fact that a lot of the sensibilities that they had when it came to family and their cultural background was something I could relate to in that way. And, um, and I think the sense that it was about, you know, listen, it had the story for in a nutshell has the salacious bells and whistles of yes, the sister was a former stripper now towing an AK 47 and they're like robbing banks and they're getting shootouts with police. But at the end of the day, it was about family. So I think really the underlying aspect of it, family, and then to try to understand circumstantially what they were going through, which led to these events was really an interesting exploration as well. What also came across along with that family was also feeling very ostracized by society, by the, by the country too, and feeling like nobody had any hope or faith in them except for each other. Did you find that yeah. to be true too? Oh, without a doubt. I think the fact, I think it spoke to without politicizing anything, I think at the time, and I think this is still relevant to today, um, it spoke to that, you know, and we'll even talk about it in geographic terms that kind of sort of um, unrealized part of the country, that part of the country that's kind of looked over. I mean, other terms have been thrown, uh, you know, the, the the marginalized. And it's that voice that's not heard of middle America. And I think in a way, a lot of the circumstances that we do explore in the film, that was also part of obviously the story, their true story, is was was a lot of that. This wasn't just a black and white situation. Um, it was, you know, you know, the good guys weren't wearing black, you know, white hats and the bad guys wearing black hats. It was really that kind of in between that was so fascinating. And uh, I found that very powerful. Um, and, you know, I think then the fact, though, that, again, everything came back to family. Um, and that's what really motivated them. When, when one of their family members was in trouble, they all galvanized around that and they were off to the races. I'm wondering for both of you, uh, what research was involved in this? I'm sure for you, Sean, it must have been really extensive, but I'm sure yeah. Sam, too, it was. But yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take that one? Um, well, for for me, I, I like I say, I hadn't, I, I wasn't aware of the story before I got sent the script. And the research I did was I, I read it was a GQ article. Memory. So I read the GQ article and was pretty blown away by the story. And I'm like a really visual person, you know. I, I just look for as many images of of the real siblings as I could because I feel like images give off an energy and. That can be really informative. And I was looking at pictures of Ryan and and then I actually got to speak to Ryan on the phone, uh, which was really interesting, you know, because he uh Ryan was coming off a certain way to me in the script, and then the real Ryan was describing himself in quite a different way. And uh this was like the day before filming, and I said to Sean, I'm like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I figured out who this guy is, and we're filming tomorrow. And it's Sean, you know put my mind at ease and we spoke about perceptions, self-perception versus other people's perceptions of you. And um, so I, I felt like, and, and also uh, Emery in India had spoken to Dylan and Lee Grace and they told them about Ryan and then they relayed that to me. So I felt like I had a, a pretty good picture of, of, of their relationship and who Ryan was going into it. You know, what, what, what about you, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think very well put. I I had the good fortune of actually meeting the the siblings in person. Um, of course, it was you know once they were incarcerated. Um, obviously, the story had already unfolded, and uh, I had the opportunity to connect with them in prison and go down and visit each one of them, which was an experience in, in and of itself. I think a lot of times in these movies, you talk to other filmmakers, and and there are all these you know adventures and these rabbit holes we find ourselves going down, especially with 
true life stories, so many tentacles to them, so many people involved, and so many lives potentially impacted. And yeah, it was it was amazing because look, I think through the prism of the media and what the media was portraying them as was vastly different from what I encountered. Now, that is not to say that like you go into a situation like that with still kind of sleeping with one eye open, like, you know, uh, you have to understand what they still did. They, while they didn't harm anybody, they absolutely could have. So there's, there's an argument to be made there, but there's potentially also an argument to be made that there are people that have done a lot worse and have gotten a lot less time. And I think it's another potentially, and, and this is just something to explore, but an example of the system kind of failing these, these people, even from these kids, I call them kids, uh, you know, from, from a very young age on. Um, and meeting them in person was everything. I mean, it just, it, it helped, it helped to humanize their story. We, we were seeing, the last thing I'll say is we were seeing as it was unfolding over these eight days and they were all over the news and all the news outlets and stuff. It was like these, oh, they're these crazy methed out hillbillies. Again, the, the news is words, not mine. And they're, they're, you know, they're going to come to your town. They're going to shoot it all up and all this kind of stuff. And you realize there's, there's so much more to the story. That was far from the truth. All of that was far from the truth. Um, and I think that's something that in the, in the film, I hope, it's not so much that we took a side necessarily um, as, as much as let's just present the circumstances here. Let's understand the human aspect of all parts of it from the law enforcement that were involved that were actually like tailing them and chasing them and trying to find them to the kids themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, when that is, I think always a risk you take when you're doing any kind of true crime story is basically saying which side you're on and not showing all the sides of the story or um, glamorizing it or stuff like that too, you know. And I don't think that was done in in this movie. Um, it didn't feel like there was necessarily like you were choosing a side. Like in particular, the scene when the three are when when you're sitting there and you're having that um, that dinner <laughs> at uh, Tess Harper and and there mm. and you're having that tense in that that was such a tense scene because. You don't know what's going to happen because Dylan, the whole time you're watching this, Dylan to me was always the one that I didn't know what to expect from him. I didn't know what he was going to do. And watching that and then Lee Grace just talking, 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 talking and not quieting. And even watching Ryan during that, that was such a tense moment and you're not sure what's going to happen. And especially when Ryan and Lee leave the room, I mean, leave the um, house. So how did you set about building that tension in that, that scene, both performance wise, Sam, and then also directing wise, Sean? After you, Sean. Okay, sure. So um, a great question. I mean, look, I think in some way that's the sort of, um, it's its own emotional climax of the film. There's actually, I would even say, two emotional climaxes of the film and that that that's the point of no return it's it's the place where everyone kind of is revealing who they are in that moment and how high the stakes are and and how far things are willing to go and without giving away too much i think it's the side of their brother in that scene that they were not expecting to see and it made it very real for them and i think for him his you know dylan's objective at that point was just to set a little context you know they're on the run and they uh, get lucky to encounter when their car breaks down this uh, elderly couple who kind of takes them into their home for a little Sunday supper, as we call it. And, um, and everything kind of goes off, off the tracks because 
you know, the, the, the old couple kind of catches on who these kids really are and what they're doing and how they're on the run. And the next thing you know, you know, Dylan has a choice as the older brother. I, you know, we either have to take care of this situation or, you know, we're, we're jeopardizing my family's lives as well. So, you know, in, in that way, I think we just always had that in mind. We always kind of understood what did everybody want at that point? What were they after? Uh, in a way, I think, you know, and, and let Sam speak to this, but, you know, Lee Grace was wanting to essentially kind of almost make this paradise for a brief moment. These were like the parents they never had or the grandparents they never had, the family they never had. It was safe there, you know, and I think she felt that island and wanted to, you know, keep that. Like, can we just stay here? This would be amazing. And, and of course they can't, they have to keep moving. They have to keep moving down the river sticks as it were. And then I think for, for Dylan, it's like, I will keep my family safe at all costs in spite of anybody else. This is what I have to do. And this is, this is my responsibility and my lot. So, yeah. 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 I think it's like a big, it was like a big high, a big high followed by a big low, you know, um, echoing what, what Sean said, you know, they've robbed this bank. And I feel like with, with, uh, with the couple that they meet, there is this brief moment of this is really nice. You know, we're all sitting around a table, we're eating. This is good. <laughs> and the, but then the stark reality of what they've embarked upon and, and this road that they can't really turn around on. And I, I remember thinking from Ryan's point of view in that scene, he was at first kind of oblivious to what India, uh, sorry, what Lee Grace is saying and uh, oblivious to how Dylan's reacting to it. But then as it builds and he can see that Dylan is getting more and more suspicious of this couple. I just felt like Ryan had seen him do this before a little bit where it's like, Oh no, he's going to do that thing where he gets really, really scary. I can feel it coming and Lee Grace can't feel it coming. And I, I hope that she stops talking before we get to that point. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, if I could just add, I, I think also um, just piggybacking on Sam that they, we really find this at a point where they all appear to want the same thing, but yet they're kind of all going about it in a different way. And we really start to understand, hopefully as an audience, the different shades and hues of what that means. What does family mean? And what does it mean at all costs in putting family first in this situation? And then it kind of starts to come into conflict with itself. It's like that which we treasure and we're trying to preserve, what are we willing to destroy to do that? you know, to keep something safe, um, how far are we willing to go? And in a sense, how the, the, even the hypocrisy in that, you know? So, um, you know, there was a lot to explore. We talked about it a lot. And then at the end of the day, these actors were just so amazing that they just got in and just, you know, I mean, they just jazzed it. They just emotionally were there for the roller coaster, And that's what it was. And speaking of the amazing acting, Sam, I just want to point out a couple of things that I just thought were so interesting watching you, your performance in this was Ryan seemed to have a certain type of walk even like there's a moment where the walk is kind of like it's kind of like watching a little kid in a way, innocent and very joyful, even though he's on the run. And then also the scene when you go into the gas station and you find that toy and the gas station clerk is not paying attention to you at all, but you're going over this toy and then like, maybe I shouldn't buy that. Maybe I should. So did you approach this character? And I know you did speak to the real Ryan, but did you also approach this character as somebody who was kind of innocent in a way too, and wasn't sure exactly what he was doing? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny you say that 
I, when I've watched myself in anything, I'm like, I'm walking a certain way. <laughs> with, uh, with American Outlaws and with Ryan, one of the prevailing thoughts was like he's the baby of the of the family and i feel like it's really effective to lean into that like that's that's his position in the family and that changes over the course of the film i feel i feel like he grows up a lot over the course of the film but yeah i feel like there was a bounce in his step you know i think he was he's worried he's worried about what they're doing but dylan's like everything's going to be good don't worry we're going to be in costa rica everything's going to be fine a week from now and I think he's lying, to, uh, Ryan's lying to himself in believing his brother. So, yeah, I think he walks around like, oh, look, I will get a new car. This is fantastic. You know, everything. I'm with my siblings again. This is great, you know, which I think makes it all the more sadder when when everything goes very wrong, you know, and everything kind of comes comes crashing down. And and he's excited as well because he's about to have a, a baby. And, and and that scene in the in the gas station, that's him completely getting lost in in this fairy tale that this will all work and you know i'm gonna give this toy to my son when i see him after he's born and everybody comes down to wherever it is they're planning to end up central or south america you know Mm -hmm. yeah and worrying about the toy being too like the small little bits that'll probably yeah yeah he's he's so excited that he's which i i think a lot of people do you get excited even in the in the minutia of things you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I found, I thought one of the reasons that Sam's performance is so brilliant um, and he took it to a whole nother level was he really did find that true arc of a character going from one place to another. And that, he, you know, it's so touching that the, when a boy becomes a man kind of moment. And um, it was interesting as I've kind of rewatched the film after, you know, kind of, you know, letting it kind of marinate for a bit. He really does have this. You, you can tell, like a lot of the reasons that he appears to be. And again, Sam can speak to this. This is just my perception of this performance. But you know, he's like kind of moving through it all because he's always had like the big brother there to kind of clean it up and pick up the pieces and all that. So there's always this kind of safety net, even though they've dealt with a lot of things that weren't safe in their lives. And then we finally get to this kind of point in the movie without giving anything away, where it's like, what do we do now? And he turns his old brother, and the older brother's like, I don't know. Like I don't know. And that's almost like, well, then, I, you know, it's almost like the, 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 you know, the, the, the sword has been passed or, or whatnot. And, you know, and, and, and Ryan has that moment of clarity, you know, about what this is, what this is about, what this has to be. Yeah. And I think that's really, you know, again, what makes what Sam did so moving. Right, and credit to Sean, because I saw that when I read it, one of the things that was interesting to me was he starts as this guy that's almost he doesn't sort of hold himself accountable for much. And by the end, he sees that his leader, Dylan, can't lead in this situation. He doesn't know what to do. And I mean, I'm kind of just regurgitating what Sean said, but it was really evident to me. It's like, oh, he, he really goes from being a, a boy to a man in over the course of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could also even be equated to that moment when you're, when you realize that you're, parents are adults and that they make mistakes too so well said it, 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 it it's true you you realize oh this is on my shoulders now and it's like the the veil has been lifted mm-hmm. i think you just said it great that you know it is it's about flaw like you know we, we like you said when we realize our parents are you know uh not perfect and i think there is this uh, sense of self-realization for all three of the characters where they realize you know 
the imperfection of it all and how all this contributed to so much of it. And I think I'm going to be bold and say this and uh, look, do I really know what I'm talking about? No. I mean, we just all have our own kind of personal tastes and stuff. But I think we're, as audiences today seem to be really responding to characters that are complex like that, that are not, that are not perfect, that make mistakes and, you know, finding something that is still a sense of redeeming, uh, even amongst, you know, all the chaos. And that's what I think these kids are trying to do with each other and with themselves. What's well, more interesting to watch characters like that, frankly, than to For watch sure. characters yeah. that are just like either all bad or all good because human beings aren't that way anyway. You're so right. it's, you know, it's not as real when you watch that, I think. So. Everything's on the neat little box, you know, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. that's what's so it's, it's when you, when you color or draw outside the lines that it gets really interesting. And I think we can learn something. And I would even go so far as to say, just to piggyback on what you're saying that, you know, it, it allows us to kind of hold a mirror up to ourselves too and go, how are we complicit in this uh, situationally? Or how am I like this? Or how have I, how, what would I have done if this was me? And I, all these things in their background had happened to me and this is my family. What would I have done? You know, and you know, look, you don't always make the right decisions, but sometimes life, if you're not pushing life, it's pushing you, you know? Mm-hmm. Said. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I also don't like it when people just blatantly call something evil because, and not to say that there aren't evil things that are done, but when you're calling someone evil, I think sometimes that leads to the fact that you can kind of ignore, you know, um, ignore things that might be leading to atrocities or bad acts or stuff like that yeah. as well, because you're just like, well, it'll just be evil and it'll be so blatant and you'll just obviously see it. And that's not at all what happens, which I'm not saying at all what they did was evil, but I'm just saying, I think that's a lot of the way people like to view the world. And if you're a criminal, so. Yeah. yeah very well put. One of the things that I really found interesting, there's this running theme throughout the story. It's like, who are the good guys? Depends who's telling the story. Depends what a perspective is. You know, depends whose shoes you're in. You know, it, it's not it's not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I, I, just adding to what you're saying. Yeah, no, it 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 totally is because even when you're following the, I mean, the parole officer was absolutely awful. But then when you're following the FBI FBI agents, and you've got one person that's so jaded by what he's done, and then you've got the younger person who seems hopeful and actually saying that the weirdest part of their job is the takedown. And, you know, that's so interesting because almost like sympathizing with the, with the people that they are trying to catch as well. So, yeah. And then um, I'm wondering, Sean, for writing and directing, when you get on the set and you've already written the script and everything, and it can be hard sometimes to let things go, like let that part of it go. You know, they always say, you know, kill your, kill your favorite, kill your darling sure. sort of thing. <laughs> You're right. So how did you approach that? Did you have to leave certain things behind and not be so precious about certain things in the script? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Of course. I mean, and sometimes it's for reasons that, I mean, you love it to always be for, you know, somewhat artistic reasons. Like, you know what, I, I really in trimming this here, you know, we get more impact from this down the road, but a lot of times it's again, just it's situational, you know, because you're making an indie film and you, the resources, or dictating otherwise, or lack of resources, or, you know, we, we had a situation where we lost a very important look, or we had trouble getting a location for a certain scene. And that scene was specifically written for that location. And um, it did not work out. So we had to pivot. And it was, it's, it's wonderful, because, you know, need meets necessity, necessity meets need, you find you find your way through it. And, 
you know, um, usually something better comes out on the other side, you know, especially when I, I can't take credit for these things. I, the only thing I might be okay at is surrounding myself with really talented people that I can take credit for all their great work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but, but like, you know, like again, this great cast, I mean, you put it on their shoulders and it, and it really didn't matter. It didn't matter so much about like, okay, you know, we had the understanding of what the scene was about, but just let them, let them go and connect. And I think some of those powerful moments are really, you know, what, they're not saying, you know, it's not, it's not the dialogue. It's just, it's just them being, and it just, that, that's the stuff that I'm just like, Oh my God, these guys are so good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All the performances are really, really good in this, even like littler performances and little um, moments are, are great in it too. Yeah. And then um, I always like to ask people this, and I know this can be a hard question to answer, but I think whenever we're doing any kind of piece of art, um, I think, we can grow from that and learn something about ourselves and then also the way we approach art in the future. So I'm wondering for both of you, um, what did you learn about yourself as an artist, as a creator, and then personally, as much as you feel comfortable going into? Yeah. Sam, you're up first, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Quite specifically, actually, I, um, for this film, I took a, I took quite a different approach to how I normally, or how I'd worked prior to that. Prior to that, I think I kind of like, I would just plan so meticulously that I feel like it would end up hurting me when I got to, when I got to set to actually do the work. And uh, with this one, I felt a little bit out of my depth. You know, I really respect uh, Emery and India. And I was I was pretty intimidated to 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 start on this. And for for this, I was like, maybe just make sure you make sure you know your lines, but don't go in there with a preconceived plan of like how you're gonna do this. Because so much of this is gonna be about the, the trio, the siblings, not about like Ryan. It's gonna be about how you will react off of each other. And it's a cliche, but I was like, just go in there and try and be more present instead of sticking to your thing that you've planned the night before in the bath, you know what I mean? Um, so as an artist, that's something that I've, I had, I had a much better time working that way. And, and since then it's something that I've carried, carried with me with work that I've done since then, you know? Mm-hmm. And what, what was the second part of the question? If it affected you at all personally, if you learned anything about yourself personally, that you're comfortable sharing. You know? No, not really. <laughs> like if I'm being, <laughs> If I'm being perfectly honest, I I really uh, I love like film. I've never I've never done theatre, and I'm not to say that I wouldn't, but I just love film and and being on set, being on a set with the cameras, and the, it, it it does something for me. You know, I always say that acting is just my way of being around that. Like that's my way that I'm allowed to be around that, and it just reaffirmed that really. And, and that kind of uh, style of filmmaking, you know, indie filmmaking. Uh, yeah, just really fun. I really, really, you know, this is what I learned personally for myself. You, I, I don't enjoy everything I do. And this film was a standout of like, next time you're feeling like you're not enjoying this, remember this, because you had a great time doing American Outlaws, you know, like. That's what we aim to do. We just want to have a good time. So, you know, it's true, though. Um, that was, I, I was kind of mesmerized by what you were saying. It's so fascinating to hear. That's a great question. I, I mean, listen, I, I think for me, there's kind of two things. One is a little bit more of a less is more approach at times. 
the original script, and uh, again, let's talk about our flaws and shortcomings, was much more verbose, had a lot of lot of dialogue in it, had uh, even a, a lot of narration, and I stripped all, eventually all that away because you started to realize, it's like, hey, it's, it's going to be alive with these, these actors, and there is a time, and this is probably my favorite part is – you know, when as a writer, you write in this little vacuum and you're just like, you know, you got your little, however you do your process, but like a, it could be just a little piece of paper and a pencil and you're off in your own world and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you got to start including these other people in it. And it's hard because you're kind of letting go of your baby. But then at some point it's great because they take it to a whole nother level. And that's what's so exciting. You're like, I don't need, this isn't mine. This is theirs. So that, that character that I wrote that Sam took and ran with, like that's his, you know, and I think that was a really important part of it. And I think the thing that probably I really learned about myself and is that I, I, I personally tend to gravitate towards these type of stories and these type of characters. And I keep asking myself, I've had some friends like, why, why am I doing these like people that are that truly, they're either marginalized, they're, um, they're extremely flawed, could in certain, through a certain lens be almost unlikable. Um, and, and, but yet I feel like this compulsion to like want to, try to understand that which can't be understood, like why somebody would do that. And without getting too personal, I think it goes back to some of my own family background and very close family members of mine that I, I still couldn't quite figure out and I never probably will. And in, in through the work, and this sounds so up itself, I don't mean it to, I hope I'm making some sense. It's like you almost have this opportunity to explore that. And to me, that is very revelatory and I want to continue that process because, hey, it's free therapy. No, it's not free. It takes, <laughs> but um, anyway. Does that make any sense? I have no idea. No, that did. I, I thought that made perfect sense. Yes, yes. Thank you both for answering that. Yeah, I always like to ask that question because I do think through different processes, you know, we can we learn stuff about ourselves, especially when you're doing uh, any kind of creative work as well. Yeah. And it's always so interesting because people sometimes have different reactions to me using the word artist because I know sometimes, you know, that's kind of because I did see you do the quotes there, Sam. So that <laughs> That was so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I just, I I go in and out of being like, I see it as art when other people are doing it. And that's where the air quotes come from. You know? <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. And that's usually what people say is they'll be like, well, I have a hard time calling myself an artist because everybody else I see do it. They're an artist, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for taking the time to talk to me. And I was very honored to be able to watch this film. So thank you both so much. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation too. So thank you for taking the time. You, you are amazing. And thank you so much for your time and also being supportive and taking the time to, to watch. So uh, it means a lot in all of this. So thank you. Thank you again to Sean and Sam for sitting down and speaking with me. And I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. If you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and that will shoot me an email. So thank you very much. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.